You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one podcast in all things marketing, advertising, and communications. I'm your host, Ted Lau, podcast host, award-winning agency owner, and full-time family man. Today on the show, we have Daphne Brunel, who is a brand and communications strategist. She believes in building brands with empathy and anchoring them firmly in culture. Brands that Daphne has worked with include Vice Canada, HelloFresh, and Touche. She also runs her own personal brand consultancy, where she helps shape personal narratives for fearless women. A proud Montrealer, she is now based in Los Angeles. How's it going, Daphne? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you. So yeah, you're in. Uh, you're in. Actually, you said today LA is a little bit foggy and cold, so it's not. It's not super sunny. I was gonna say like, oh, you're in super sunny Los Angeles, but you're not. Yeah, I mean, I definitely will not complain on this podcast about LA weather, but today is is winter. It's it's, it's a little bit winter like. Yeah. All right. Well, winter. Winter to you. You said it was like 13 degrees Celsius, so that's like yeah. spring in the rest of Canada. Yeah. Exactly. It's a it's a balmy spring day in Canada. So what got you to LA? How did how'd this all transpire? Well, actually, um, so I came to LA from Toronto. So I moved a lot in, in, in my life. Uh, I'm from Montreal, like you mentioned, born and raised, and then moved to LA after a few years living and working in Toronto. And actually, the trigger was as simple as my husband got a job opportunity in LA, and we discussed it um, pretty quickly and we saw that it was a great opportunity for him and also for myself because working in advertising I mean you know lots of things happening in LA uh, it's a big industry here um, lots of work in tech and entertainment that that's tied to communications I figured you know let's do it let's move to the west coast that's really cool so is this are. your is this your first west coast stint yeah, I'm actually not familiar at all with West Coast Canada, so it's a bit shameful on my part, I guess. But yeah, it's it's my first time living in Pacific time. Well, that's good. <laughs> well, it's, hopefully, it's it's treating you well. So maybe let me, you know, let's let's talk a bit about um, you know the brands that you've worked with. You worked with Advice Canada, HelloFresh, Touche. Now you kind of run your own consultancy. Um, tell us about those experiences because, you know, Vice um, is, is definitely a, a cool brand and, and lots of people follow, but then you kind of move to something like, you know, more strategy with Touche and, and um, you know, HelloFresh is definitely a very different um, type of service offering too. You know, how did you hop from those different groups and um, what were the differences when you're working with them? Well, I've been working in strategy for about like nine or 10 years now. And basically like everything has like a strategic, a strategic thread. Um, and so I pivoted my career to strategy and started through digital. So I've always been very interested in digital. And there was kind of like a moment 10 years ago where like a lot of brands were wondering like, oh, what do we do with social media? And like, do we need to publish content now? Because, you know, like there was like personal blogs and, and people were starting to kind of, you know, broadcast like different things about themselves. And there was a lot of question around like implications for brands. Like, what do we do? And so that's where I got my start. So I started working in agencies. Uh, Touche was my first agency in Montreal. And basically worked on a lot of like digital strategies there with like different like national clients or like Quebec clients and um, and gain like a lot of 
experience there and like a really good knowledge of like what people do and what people want on the internet basically and um and then I just kind of like set my sights on like oh what's happening elsewhere and like going to work in a market like Toronto was different right much all smaller we have a different vibe it's Quebec you know we're kind of like a little bit doing our own thing over there and um And then in Toronto, I was already connected to the Vice brand. I mean, I grew up with Vice, <clears throat> Montrealer, Vice is from Montreal, uh, grew up kind of like reading the magazine and, you know, when it was kind of like the little kind of punk media outlet that could, and, and then they became this big media empire and they have a really nice office in Toronto doing great things, covering different topics around Canada. And so I had an opportunity to go work on the creative team as a strategist and to really go and and develop these stories right so did a lot of branded content and like help different brands connect with an audience that vice has like a unique point of view on so like youth culture what are people actually interested about um and and have this kind of like deeper and 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 like better conversation with with these audiences because we knew so much about them about like uh just younger people in general from like different subcultures or so so that's how kind of like this took me from all these places i also worked with hellofresh when hellofresh launched in canada um a few years back and basically they needed some help kind of like localizing the offering hellofresh is a german company Um, they are huge in Europe and then they have other markets. They are huge in the U.S. and the U.S. was already kind of, you know, running their own company there just because of like the reality of, of this huge market. And so now it was, it landed in Canada. And then I think that the German office understood pretty quickly that Canada is a, a different beast. <laughs> it can't be compared to Europe. We don't have the population size. We don't have the geography because this is like, it's an internet company, but it's an operations heavy company because it's food delivery. And, um, and you needed to understand how Canadians shop and how Canadians um, want to be communicated to. And, you know, like what's the reality of, of the market. And so basically I helped launch the brand as far as building digital strategy for them uh, specifically uh, for us. So So that's how this happened. Well, I mean, that's that's really cool. Now, with HelloFresh, you know, you you in our pre-call, you had mentioned that you know German company they they come to Canada and and uh, you know there was a lot of difficulty. They didn't really understand uh, that Canada is very spread out, and so maybe maybe help me understand you know how you were able to to, to communicate with them some of the logistical challenges um in a way that kind of made sense i think it's the only time in my life where i started a digital strategy presentation with a map <laughs> so oh, i started okay. literally with a map of canada and like identified like population centers and explained to them like listen most of canada like statistically most canadians live on the southern border of the country Um, all of the big cities are like pretty much aligned and they're all towards the south just because it's more livable. That's how we develop. And then a huge portion of that population lives in southern Ontario and like the Great Lakes region. And so you have like the whole kind of like GTA and 
and all of that. Then we have two languages. Quebec operates differently. Quebec has language laws. Um, and, you know, the, the, the challenge basically of getting to know um, these different markets uh, and then like knowing that we're actually coast to coast, like we have the Maritimes that are like very much east on like, you know, islands on their own provinces. And then the West Coast, that's completely different. And it's like pretty far away from Ontario. And so just like logistically understanding that and also understanding that you can't just kind of blast advertising just about anywhere. Uh, like, let's just talk to all of Canada at large, because it's like if we're not ready to ship to Newfoundland, we shouldn't talk to them yet. Like if we haven't figured out who they are and like how to get to them and how to get to them like a very premium fresh product, then let's wait, let's hold off. Let's like maybe start with Ontario, Southern Ontario, and then like take it step by step. Um, you know, have like a, a strong French uh, solution in place before you start talking to Quebec and, and maybe like not get in trouble. And so, and I was like uni uniquely qualified for that because I mean, they just kind of hired me as like a Canadian digital specialist, but then <laughs> happened to be like a French Canadian digital specialist. I'm like, I'm actually also bringing, you know, this whole expertise to you uh, as a bonus. <laughs> Let me explain but, Quebec to you. But I find that that curious that, you know, most most companies when they open a new region, even, you know, my agency, Ballistic Arts, we're, we're opening down towards Los Angeles ourselves. And, you know, we did a fair bit of market research and, and spent a lot of time understanding, you know, the, the demographics and, and all those kinds of things down, down in, in the new region that we're trying to enter. Yet, you know, they've, they basically are ready to establish, they hired you. And then you're the one going, whoa, hold, hold your horses. Um, you can't deliver to Medicine Hat you know, because it's medicine hat, you know, um, did you find that odd that you as the digital marketer needed to explain that? Not really. Well, I mean, I needed to explain it to the marketing people. Cause like we like at the Toronto office had like really strong operations people. I mean, we had like the leadership team was coming from like management consulting, like strong and like strong, like, um, CPG background on the operation side, like everyone, we had like the right people in place to take care of that. I was more like positioned to, okay, well, I need to explain to the marketing people in Berlin um, why we're making the decisions that we're making. And so to explain to them our reality, I was kind of illustrating like all of this whole thing. So I was not alone by no means, you know, explaining this to them, but basically just for the reality of marketing and communications, I just felt there was like a little more education uh, on top of just doing like a digital strategy proposal. You know, it was like a little bit more involved. Love the the idea that you had to put a map in as your first slide. So, so good for yeah. you on that. So, <laughs> so then let's, let's talk about you know, the whole bilingualism, you know, you're uh, you know, from, from Quebec and, and yep. you um, have that unique lens. What, what have you noticed when you're, you know, you're, you're educating a larger brand that, global brand that hasn't, uh, hasn't entered a, a bilingual marketplace. What did you say to them and, and how did you make that a success? I think it's like, it's something that I talked about so often in my career and in different respects, but even like working from like within Quebec, you work with like bigger brands and national brands. And this kind of comes up all the time. There are brands who get it and understand that you can't just simply, um, Google Translate or pay a translation firm to kind of like adapt material. 
Uh, a lot of people still do it. I mean, if you ask most people uh, in Quebec what they think of like package uh, writing and stuff, like everyone has funny stories. I still find like hilarious, like French writing on patch packaging all the time and stuff that comes from Canada, like stuff that is literally being like packaged in Mississauga or something like that, you know? And I just feel like it's um, like, if there's a real desire to reach an audience and it's like, you know, eight million people or so, like if you actually want to reach them and make a difference, there's gonna have to to be a need to like better understand them and maybe like go beyond translating maybe there's an adaptation maybe there's like I mean best case scenario scenario is to have something that's specifically crafted for this audience uh we're different we speak differently we have a different sense of humor than the rest of Canada just because it's a different language you know so it's, it would be weird <laughs> if we were all pretty much the same just not using um the same words but it's just reality. Like we're maybe a little bit more um, dry in our humor than English Canadians. And so how can we leverage that, um, you know, to, to, to a brand's advantage? So I feel like I'm having this conversation very often and I hear similar things happening here in LA where I am now, there's a very large portion of the population that is Spanish speaking. And some brands are also kind of, um, thinking about the same thing. It's the same reality. How do you speak to, the, uh, to this community in a way that makes sense <laughs> and in a way that is uh, more native to how they speak and how they interact versus just being like, how do you say this tagline in Spanish? Yeah, no, I, I, I hear that. I, I mean, uh, growing up as a, as a Canadian, but with um, Hong Kong parents and lots of family from Asia, uh, the lost in translation issues, um, I think is, is universal, right? When you have a dominant, um, you know, culture that is trying to tap into a new market, there's always going to be those, those lost in translation pieces. Now, I think it's also, uh, you know, to your point, it, it's, it's definitely more than just getting a translator, but you know, your background in, in youth culture and your time at vice shows you that there is a subculture. There's lots of microcultures within a greater culture. How do you, how do you tell a, a, a company that, you know, oh, we're going to go into this region and, and tell them that, Hey, not only do you need someone that speaks the language from the culture, all that kind of stuff, but you actually need someone that, that is going to be, uh, that has a, has a lens into that subculture that you're trying to hit that particular buyer profile or psychographic profile. Uh, you try, you try really hard <laughs> to make that case. I think it's about like illustrating what it means. Like it's much easier when you talk to someone like yourself, you know, you have like, you don't know what it's like to be French Canadian, but you know what it's like to be from a community or to have people in your family that are from a different community and the nuances, you know, that can be lost and how like, you know, no culture is a, mon a, a monolith. And so basically you try to make that case. It's about kind of um, bringing these conversations to a point where everything is, is like human centered. And this is something I do in all of my work. Like, the way I describe my work is um, I start everything with empathy and that's what I mean with that. And empathy is not just kind of projecting your own lens onto something or observing something from afar. It's trying to put yourself in other people's shoes. And there's no way that me as like a French Canadian white woman coming from, you know, like who I am to know a hundred percent what other, you know, 
communities and cultures are like, but at least I know that they are not the same. And I know that I need to, you know, research and get this information, talk to the right people about it. And so I think it's, um, yeah, trying to have this conversation. I think it gets easier in 2021 with brands, different clients. Um, I think that people understand a little bit better that you need to be a little bit more flexible in your point of view and that maybe your point of view is not your audience, your audience's point of view. Like not everyone sees things the same way, um, but it's still a work in progress. Yeah, I agree. I <laughs> it agree. doesn't work every single time. It, it doesn't. Absolutely. And and I wanted to understand, you know, your, your shift from, you know, Quebec, Quebec yep. to Toronto and now, now to, to LA, the one of the largest epicenters in North America. Yeah. Um, tell us about the difference. Cause I don't think a lot of our audiences, uh, our audience members, um, have had the privilege and, and opportunity to work in, in different major centers. What's the difference? Are there similarities? Please share. Wow. I mean, working, um, and you know, obviously talking about my experience, talking about advertising strategy in particular, but it, very, um, to me, it's very interesting, the difference in work culture. And that also affects like what you do and the kind of work just because, you know, I work in advertising and it's a representation of, of life in a way because you're sharing stories with people. But basically, I just saw the difference between like, um, I guess working in Montreal, working in Toronto and in Montreal, we have a different way of placing work in inside of our lives I feel like um like work is not our life you work to uh, live. yeah it's like yeah it's it's a part of it it's like part of what we are part of what we do um we have like um maybe a little bit more boundaries and again speaking in generalities but like there's like the after work culture that's strong in Montreal and like, oh, we need to, you know, have some social time and it's not like I'm not going to go straight back home every single night. Um, maybe I want to hang out. Maybe I want to spend some time with uh, maybe coworkers or go meet up with some friends. Like there's kind of like a social and like a, a part of like my whole day was not just working, you know, and um, that's, you know, when you can do that, it's great. Toronto, um, I feel like, Maybe like I saw that the humor too is, uh, is a little bit different. Like I uh, mentioned to you that I believe mm -hmm. that, I don't know, in Quebec, we have like a somewhat drier humor. And I definitely felt that, especially when we, I work in creative environments, right? And so it's like a specific kind of work environment. And I just felt like sometimes people were like, um, oh, there you go with that Montreal humor, you know, <laughs> or like, oh, wow. yeah. Good friend of mine from Montreal. I don't find her humor that dry. I, oh, I really? Oh, yeah, maybe but... it's maybe it's just me and my friends. Um, I don't know. I love dry I just, humor. I just felt like there's like a different vibe, but I really liked um, kind of expanding my view of work and what like an agency does. And, you know, it was interesting to kind of see these different markets. Also going to Toronto, bigger market, more resources. Really interesting to be able to kind of like actually expand your work, you know, like extend your reach, have these like bigger opportunities. Um, brands are launching in Toronto before they launch in Montreal sometimes also because of language considerations. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of interesting to see whereas like in Montreal, we have to be at least in advertising, pretty scrappy, pretty flexible, you know, and like you used to kind of 
you do this thing, but then you're also really skilled at this other connected, you know, talent because uh, you work from, you know, within a smaller agency or there's less people in the account or different realities. So that was interesting to see. It's like, oh, in Toronto, you kind of go there and people are like, oh, there's more space. There's more resources uh, for you to actually experiment and, and try new things and work on bigger brands. So that was really nice. And then there's moving from Canada and going to the U.S., um, that is, I mean, it's a different country. It's so funny because we have as Canadians and I don't know what you, what you think. I feel like we have such a good knowledge of American culture because it's always been there. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. know, it always bleeds into like our media consumption in Canada. We watch American shows and like American movies and we know, I don't know, American personalities uh, American politics, even if you're not trying to follow, you know what's happening because it just takes up so much space. And so with that sentiment of like knowing the U.S. and then you actually go and move to the U.S., you're also confronted with it with a few like, oh, I had no idea that when you look at it from the inside, it's slightly different. You know, you're surprised by like different things. Like what? And, Give um, us an example. Come on. Oh, my God. Um the, I mean, well, that's that's not very original because it's like very much of the time, but I really felt how uh, divided a lot of people are uh, on, on a huge scale. And so you always have to be um, mindful that people have like very different opinions and very different ways of seeing different things. And you're not kind of, um, not everything is like the collective we. It's like, oh, Maybe the person standing next to me, maybe the person working with me, maybe the person I'm collaborating with on this thing doesn't share the same or like even a similar point of view on different things. And I just need to kind of understand that and like, um, you know, like understand how to live with that and work with that. And that's fine. I guess it's just the reality of it. Of it. Um, and then one thing that's very work specific that I noticed and I had to speak to other Canadians in the US and also Americans to kind of like test out like my assumptions or my perspective but I just felt like the markets here like even if you only talk about LA and not mm. the US at large it's it's very big like it's just the industry it's advertising or like you take a step back and like tech or like entertainment like there are huge industries that are on a different scale than what we're used to, you know, work with in Canada. And so that means that like specifically in my role as a strategist and working in agencies, people tend to be more like ultra specialized in certain things because working from like bigger structures and like formatting your career in terms of like working with these big agencies on these big accounts, um, the teams are larger. And so normally what happens as a strategist is that you become very specialized in something specific, like a branch of strategy. And so when at first I was trying to get an understanding of the market and like what's happening in agencies here, and I was talking to recruiters and hiring managers, um, they were asking me, what kind of strategist are you? And at first I was a little confused by the question. And I was like, well, I've done creative strategy, I do brand, I do communications. And in certain, like, there are certain times where I was told, well, yeah, but you're, but you really, you are one of those things. Like, which one is it? And then I realized I had to 
pick one because that's normally what people do. It's like, well, no, you're a brand strategist, but you happen to have been exposed to some communication strategy, maybe, but you're a brand strategist. And so to constantly call myself a brand and communication strategy in the US can be very confusing because still to this day, I get asked, but which one is it more? So you haven't chosen yet. Is that what you're telling me? I don't want to choose one. <laughs> so I think you just got to tailor it to the conversation, right? Like, you know, and one I do. you're going to say brand, one you're going to say communications. Yeah. I mean, I'm a few years in now and I'm smarter about like understanding my audience and understanding how people work here. And so now I'm not like confronted with a, uh, what do you mean? What kind? And I have like a smarter answer about it, but I understand now that it's just because career uh, trajectories and larger markets are very different, you know, and for like myself, like a Montreal strategist, I, I just need to kind of be um, conscious of that and see how I fit into this market, basically. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay. And, and so now, but okay, well, you do have a specialty, which is the, the consultancy for fearless women. Like that's, yeah. that's something that, that you're doing that is very, and in America, they don't say niche, they say niche. So that's a very niche thing that you're doing, right? Yes. So maybe tell us a bit about that. So hopefully, you know, if, if someone in America is listening to this, they're going to go, oh, this is exactly what Daphne does. Right. 
Well, I say niche for what it's worth. Um, I, <laughs> You're um, from Montreal. Yes. Um, I developed this idea a few years ago, basically, where I tested it out. I'm, I'm an active member in different online women's communities. And I had this idea for a project, and I really wanted to talk to some people um, about their what they considered their brand to be and what they do and what they're about and what they're interested in. And from this idea and from testing this idea, I just developed a method where I lead personalized brand workshops for individuals. And I just specialize in working with women. I just feel, you know, I have a unique understanding and like unique comfort, you know, of like speaking woman to woman. And um, I just really enjoy these conversations. And so basically I developed this project and then I started volunteering this idea and this service um, to just kind of gain more insight and understand, you know, like where this would go and how this would impact and, and you know, resonate with people. And I really gained a lot of traction at the height of the pandemic uh, volunteering this because a lot of people, well, some people had more time. Um, I mean, if, if you didn't have kids during the pandemic, I guess, and you were like furloughed, you know, or had just a different work schedule. Um, I spoke to a lot of people that had more time on their hands and were eager to kind of get to projects they felt they had always put on the back burner because of just everyday life and, and being busy. And then there's also, um, you know, and I feel it's very like current right now, but a lot of people started wondering what they actually want to do or if the work that they do actually aligns with what they believe in and, and, and what they want to bring into the world. And so a lot of these conversations were happening. And so what I do, and I launched this now as a consultancy, um, is work together with people to really define what the narrative is. So who they are as an individual, as a professional, how their whole experience connects together. What's the thread, you know, like what, uh, what's the story here that you can lead with? And also what is unique? Because I really think that we are not very good at talking about ourselves. I don't think we were ever taught the right way. We're also too close. Like it's very hard to even know where to start and what to say. And so I just really like bringing forward these ideas because I'm, I'm like an outsider, right? I bring like this outside perspective on like what I read and what I see. And then we talk through things together. Um, like, do you agree with what I see? This is what I'm observing. And then see what comes out of these conversations and really kind of thread all of this together of like, well, you are a person who specializes in this, this, and this. You have X years of experience in this sector specifically, or you work towards a specific cause that is important to you, like a social cause or, um, you know, something that's of interest and of importance. And then there are also traits that are unique to you. Um, maybe what you studied, maybe the fact that you speak multiple languages, maybe the fact that you are an immigrant or from an immigrant uh, story, uh, family, sorry, and that impacts your story. Um, and, you know, these different traits, I just believe that in general, brands, you know, consumer brands or personal brands should have more heart uh, and just bring more um, truth forward. And I just think that with this consultancy, I help bring a little bit of it. And um, I just help um, other people see 
what I see basically in themselves and in their story. And this can serve for so many things. So people can use it to um, get a job or to launch like a, like a speaker um, career. If they want to introduce themselves as a speaker, launch a business and you have to like pitch yourself over and over again. If you want to network and meet new people, if you need to build a personal website and you don't know what to put on it, uh, that's where I help basically like manifest that story. Um, and come up with something that is more unique and uh, something you actually like. Basically, that's that's the goal. I think that's fantastic that you're, you know, uh, channeling that uh, in a way that's going to help people, especially when, you know, we were going through that great quote unquote recession, uh, resignation, the great resignation of COVID and people were, you know, I had, I had folks on on my team that decided that, man, maybe this is not what I want to do. And they actually shifted their career and we helped them, you know, um, successfully exit this industry and go into another so I think that's that's really great work. Now, you know, you you focus primarily on 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 women uh, when when you're doing this work. I think uh, predominantly so. And um, you know, we, again in our pre-call, we had chatted a little bit about you know the the struggles and challenges that you you've seen working in the advertising industry. Um, and I wanted to see if you know you 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 wanted to share a little bit about that and uh, maybe shed some light for for those of us who you know aren't aren't in the, in that, that sphere. Yeah, I think it's still a current topic. I mean, working and, you know, I'm only speaking about the advertising industry. That's what I know better. And it's, it's very different when you show up to work and you present as a woman, Uh, there are different things and different expectations that are there and the way that you speak and the way that you um, share your ideas and the goal is always to go and find teams or find, you know, employers or agencies that um, offer more space and more equality. Uh, right now, I find that the unique challenge is that I feel like most places, just because it's been discussed so much in the past few years, are at least aware that there is a need, a need for that. Uh, some people will advertise that they are like a friendly environment for women or you know equal opportunity um but there's still work to do in terms of actually um you know listening and 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 creating space and and leaving some space for women basically i have definitely worked in some creative teams where um ideas were not listened to the same way and it's never said i mean it's never outright um because you're a woman but you feel like what you say doesn't have as much weight Um, there's always, and I'm hearing this from all sorts of industries, like specifically, you know, working one-on-one with all these women, like I'm also gaining a lot of insight into other situations that are not my own, but, um, to have your ideas not amplified or like then repeated or recycled, and then it's not your idea anymore, but really you are the one kind of like planting that seed that happens still a lot to this day. So there's like a lot of teams right now where um, women together will make sure that it's that's like, well, are you speaking out? Are you is are we listening to you basically or like amplifying that voice of that's what she said and like that the opinion um, that she shared is valid and um, making sure that everyone kind of like listen to this or let um, the woman finish also to be able to speak in a meeting, especially in a um, remote work environment 
where it's video meetings, there's a unique challenge of just making sure that you're there and you're speaking and that everyone is listening. And I think it's it gets easier when you're more experienced. You know, I'm like years into my career and I have maybe an easier time doing this. But what I'm really interested in is making sure that the junior women on my team um, are actually asking the questions and, and taking the space because our first um, reaction or our first um, like reflex, I guess, is to maybe not say what we wanted to say, or I'll ask that question later, or I'll just slack the person directly and maybe not saying in the group setting because we're just not socialized to take up space all the time. And some women, and I mean, hard to speak for such a large group of people and some women will maybe disagree with me or um, will have the chance to have worked in more open or even more like women run work environments and their perception is a little different. Even some of my friends who work in advertising have had different um, situations or different experiences than me. Um, And I'm so happy to hear that. But in some cases, I just feel like we still have work to do. And I, my responsibility as more like a senior team member is to just make sure that I create like a friendlier environment and a more open environment to different people than what I um, started with uh, years and years and years ago. So. Well, I found it very shocking that you're saying that you're still seeing posts where people are, uh, companies have to say that we provide equal opportunity. I, I feel like that's, that's not even table stakes anymore. Like that's just to me a given. Now that said, I am a male running an agency, so an agency owner. Um, my wife actually is is a partner, so um, I get that perspective too. But for the for the longest time, my company was run by by me and a former business partner. We're both male, so I am probably I'm pretty sure I would have been guilty down sometime in the last two decades of some of the the being offside of things that you just you've mentioned. So, do you have any um, tips or or things that you might want to advise men who are uh, leading agencies that, you know, we, at least for myself, I, I mean, well, but I will, you know, say, I, I typically put my foot in my mouth all the time. Like uh, they, they're going to edit all the ums and ahs in this, in this podcast, but you know, I screwed up your intro like four times before getting it right. So, you know, do you have any tips for, for, you know, guys that fumble over their words and stuff like that to, to, to make sure that we're more empathetic and, and, and cause it's easy to say, be more empathetic, but what does that mean? Like how, how do, how do we do this? I know. Um, I mean, and I know like most people will mean well. It's not because there's like this industry is full of bad people. It's more like actually listening, first of all, or not being focused on um, performing like we're an equal opportunity agency. Like this is great. And like to put it out there and, and to put it in our communications is great. But then it's also like asking them like all team members asking other women. And, you know, I'm talking about women. I'm also like talking about non-binary. Like when I do my work, I'm also including, because it's it's people that basically are being um, not listened to because of their gender, you know, and their gender re- representation or identity. And so I'm also including this. This is not my experience. Um, but as a cis woman, basically it's, for me, it's just like listening. I um, am speaking up on on different things and it's not just like leadership decisions and and the way the agency is run it's also and specifically because it's advertising entertainment is 
the same, but it's also making sure that we put out there work that is more representative of different communities. And sometimes, and it still happens all the time, and, and it's almost um, funny to see the reactions where we're presenting something and we're seeing a mood board or we're seeing like a, a first like a round of, um, of casting or something like that. And then someone will say, and I will be maybe one of those people saying, can we have more, you know, gender representation or can we have I feel it's very white or I feel like we're tokenizing because we have this one black person um you know can we have like a casting that's like a little bit more nuanced and, and something that's more representative and and that's you know depending depending on the story we tell and, and the audience we want to reach but to call to call this out because we have a reflex as human being to just better resonate and better connect with people who are like us we have we start the conversation and we start the the interaction with kind of like common ground of like oh you're another cis white woman just like myself and so we understand each other on many different ways and we have like a um yeah unconscious connection and so we tend to give this person maybe more importance or more emphasis and it's not because we only want to include people like ourselves but we just tend to do that as human beings and to just be kind of self-aware and to understand like oh I will always do this like this is not something that you can correct because it's human nature but how can I not let this get in the way of having more you know open work or like open conversations and um and yeah i think you know no secret recipe but i think listening and being self-aware like just you saying i i am a man running an agency um and this means i come with like a certain set of values and you know my own life experience and everything just knowing this and just being aware of it um is you're like many steps ahead basically because your profile informs the way that you work, the way that you lead, you know, the business decisions that you make. Um, and it's about just kind of keeping this in mind every time you make a new decision or you start a new project or, or whatever it is. Well, thank you. Well, I, you know, I, there's a book that, uh, that we, we read at, at, at the company called Radical Candor. Uh, it's by Kim Scott. And she talks about, you know, caring personally and challenging directly at the same time. And, and in fact, we instantly, Build it as a core value in our company because, again, uh, male, cis male, you know, uh, sure, BIPOC, you know, person of color, but but still, um, and I I can you know come from a I come from a Chinese mother, you know, the whole dragon kind of thing, right? The dragon mother kind of so like I come from a family of just like yelling is how you kind of get get your message across. So like that can come across as very daunting to to folks that don't come from this background, and so I've had to actually in my interview process actually um, remind people like, like, Hey, so you're going to have to sometimes yell at me and that's okay. Like, like just to get it through, like you can, you can almost like you, you were zoom now, so you can't actually physically shake me, but you could actually come up to me and go like, you're not listening. And like, I will listen. It's not like I'm not, I won't listen. It's just sometimes I'm so like self-absorbed that, that I don't, I don't see the force for the trees. And so you know, it, it, I, I do ask my team to do that. And I don't know if that's the most um, suave way, uh, sophisticated way of doing it, asking your staff to shake you if they don't you're, you think they think you're not listening. But um, I don't know if there's other tips that you have. I'll, I'll take well, it. Well, I like I like that. First of all, I love like sharing 
a, a book as a as an agency wide resource is amazing. Like to to have people stop and think about and discuss something that is about like communication styles and like you know like speaking up I think is so interesting um I also think that like I like in this the idea of like asking um not asking for what you need but like maybe calling out your communication style or calling <laughs> like out a terrible your... listening style <laughs> yeah like yeah. just being I mean it, it always it always comes back to self-awareness like you know that you your personality is a certain way and it was informed by different things in your life and so therefore you function better when when this happens and you also let people know that you have a tendency to do something and to just like you know don't let me do this every single time or something like that i think it's um it's good um it's like a good leadership style because it's self-aware you know you're you're not just kind of like assuming I hold the truth and I know everything because I lead this agency. It's about being um, just knowing like, well, I am a human being who is leading other human beings and, and, you know, let's make this work in, in the best possible way. And I like that you guys are actually having these conversations. Um, well, as an agency. I mean, th thank you for the compliments, but I'll tell you it's from, <laughs> from hitting the wall many, many a time. And, and I'll publicly say you can go on my glass door reviews and, and see all the terrible things that people have said about me oh, through the years. And I've learned, I've had to learn from it because I was not as self-aware and very self-absorbed. And, and now I'm slowly trying to understand, okay, empathy, leadership, and those kinds mm -hmm. of things. So you know, you can also like take, take a piece of uh, a chapter from my book and hit a wall and then hopefully, you know, learn from that. But hopefully this, this conversation for our audience will, will help them avoid hitting the wall like I did. So, um, in terms of asking questions, I'm actually going to just, I'm mindful of time and, and, and whatnot. I kind of want to ask some fun questions, you know, do our rapid fire round and just get to yeah. know Daphne a little bit. And hopefully, uh, you'd be, you'd be into that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm into it. Hopefully. I can come up with answers quick enough. All right. Well, hey, so we're um, coming up on the holidays mm -hmm. and maybe when it comes out, it might be the holidays might have just passed, but uh, favorite holiday drink. Favorite holiday drink. I mean, I'm just a wine person. I'm just always into wine. I come from a family where we drank wine with dinner. And so there will for sure be many wines uh, right now. I mean, natural wines are pretty big in my in my friend circle, um, and so we what drink a lot of that. What is natural wine? What's natural? What's natural wine? It's uh, it's just wines that are um, free from different preservatives. Like the the oh. fermentation and the bottling process is different, and so they're normally labeled differently. And they are more and more widely available in Canadian provinces. Uh, and now, um, and there's like always interesting things and they taste slightly different, you know, it's just these kind of funkier, like younger wines. Um, so I think that that's probably going to be it this year. It's not very holiday themed, although, I mean, in my family, we have a history of sometimes drinking some, some Baileys. Um, that's a classic. Um, but like, I think the most common one that's going to come back, you know, um, a lot during the holidays is, is some wine for sure. Favorite thing that, uh, favorite experience or first impression you had of LA? Favorite thing? Yeah. In LA. Sure. Favorite thing in LA. Uh, the taco stands. I love, I know it's like a classic answer, but it, they're everywhere. 
and they're like almost like a subculture or like in, in like on their own they are these like tiny little poles of like LA cultures because you normally go back to the same one especially if it's in your neighborhood and then you get to know like your taqueros like you know the the people working there and um and then you have your favorite order And so the taco stand that's in my neighborhood, I go to the same one all the time. I've introduced them to my friends and my parents. And so we definitely have kind of like a relationship there. So I love the taco stand culture in LA. You know, I've interviewed a lot of people and I've talked to a lot of people in LA and no one has told me about these taco stands. So now I'm going to have to go and check out these taco stands. There's many taco stands. It's like, it's like, it's like sushi, you know, like in Vancouver, it's like a sushi stand beside a Starbucks. It's like one of those things. They're all over. They're literally either trucks sometimes and then sometimes like in the case of my neighborhood they're literally folding tables on a sidewalk and then there's a generator and they're grilling meat on the sidewalk and they they have all sorts of delicious things to offer and they have their own specialties depending on you know the region of mexico they come from like it's a whole thing you have to try it so i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you this (laughs) taco stand smoke meat or poutine well i mean that's a oh, whole thing. Um, puts in. Oh yeah, I mean, really? Is it? Because I see my kid loves poutine. I just, I would, I thought like people from Quebec would be like, oh, it's just this thing that you know we exported out to the rest of the world. But yeah. Well, I think it's really important to say, and I want this, you know, to be known out there to people listening to this podcast that Poutine is from Quebec. Poutine mm-hmm. is not from Canada. Oh. Um, <laughs> yes, it's from Canada. Yes. Um, it's a culture thing we're happy to share with Canadians and with the world. But I mean, it has this kind of like nostalgic, like I know it's just like French fries and it's like really comfort food, but it's just, I don't know. There's always, there's moments for a good person. All right. Okay. Drinking <laughs> moments or, or any moment? I mean, drinking or a really cold winter day in Montreal, you know. Yeah, it's just nice. A bit of comfort. Favorite Quebecois band or musician? Well, I am very old in my references, but basically Quebec has a whole hip-hop scene. And there's this band that I really like from the 90s, and I have no idea where they are now, but they're called The Metzik. And Mm -hmm. there were these three guys... Um, and they had this whole thing when guy was actually from Montreal and the two other ones were kind of, you know, adopted, you know, like new Montrealers coming from Senegal and from France. And they had this whole late nineties things. And I hope at least one person somewhere listening to this podcast is into the Metzik because I think <laughs> that's, that's my answer for you. So that means you can rap in French. I wouldn't say I can rap. I would say that I listen to it and sometimes can be caught singing the lyrics along, but I won't call myself a rapper by any means. <laughs> <laughs> um, favorite superhero power, if you could pick one, what would it be? Well, I guess for me, it's teleportation just because I, I travel a lot. I like traveling. So I guess streamlining the process of going somewhere would be awesome. Do you sleep on your side, on your stomach, or are you on your back? Um, mostly on my side. On your, see, I sleep on my side. I had this one guest that said that she sleeps on her, the left side so that she can see her cell phone if it rings. I'm like, 
what like that's not sleeping that's like kind of half awake anyway it sounds stressful it sounds extremely stressful best place for you to zen chill out um around a table with friends with a good drink and some good food is so nice it's i think it would be that i also really like going on walks but i think my number one answer for you would be around a table with friends awesome okay well hey you know what i think i'm gonna leave it there because it's such a great answer um daphne thank you very much for your time i really enjoyed our conversation it was a lot of fun Thank you, Ted. And, this and was yes, fun. yes, poutine is from Quebec. I, I am hundred percent, definitely know that. I don't want to start a war. I just, I just want to make sure that we're making the appropriate, you know, cultural, you know, references. Reference. I'm just saying, hundred percent, hundred percent. Now, so are but last maybe last question around poutine is like, do you, do you put poutine? Is it just the classic poutine? Because I've been to places where like they'll put whatever and call it poutine. There's like a like a place in in Vancouver that for a while served like all sorts of poutine. Like you could throw bacon in it and chives and all sorts of other yeah. stuff. Oh, you can. With that? You can. So that, that, that for you is if, still. If you have the right building blocks, like you have actual cheese curds and mm-hmm. gravy and good French fries, like you can have it classic and then you can get a little wild on the toppings. All the best mm-hmm. places in Montreal. And I know like poutine is not from Montreal. It's from like other cities. There's two cities in Quebec disputing that title. So I'm not really sure. I don't want to get into that. But basically good, good Montreal places will all offer like all sorts of okay. options. I always wondered that you can about put that. On top. And the cheese has to be squeaky, right? When you eat it, it has to have the kind of little squeaky thing. Yeah. So the part that's not melted, because a part of it is going to be melted in the gravy and that doesn't squeak. But the part that's still whole needs to squeak. I mean, that's just the law. The law. All right. <laughs> Okay, well, Daphne, thank you very much. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, Thank you, everybody, for a fun episode of Marketing News Canada. This is Ted and Daphne signing off. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio, thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors, Travis Jeffers and The Podfather. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.